welcome back on the forum. Today we have a bonus episode for all of our fans. Today we'll be covering the Florida Gators. Carl will be flying solo for this special. With the independent Florida Alligators, sports editor Tyler Natuno. Carl and Tyler will be discussing the Gators' Orange Bowl matchup with Virginia, the quarterback situation, recruiting, and much more. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Forum. It's a special episode actually, because um, not only am I flying solo on this one, I've also got a special guest. Um, perfect timing for this actually, because the uh, Gators Bowl game was just announced this past Sunday. It's going to be Gators against uh, the Virginia Cavaliers and um, early signing days next week. And, and we're like, we're right smack dab in the middle of that. And we've got... Um, Tyler Natuno from the uh, Independent Florida Alligator, sports editor of the Independent Florida Alligator, my former college newspaper, actually. Uh, and also um, noticed on your uh, on your Facebook that you also went to uh, to Nice, so which is not only Tim Tebow's former um, high school, but also like a couple guys that that I worked with. So it's not only a uh, it's not only a hotbed of football, but like uh, sports writing as well. No, definitely for sure. It's uh, they've got a really good sports media program, especially with like video and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I remember hearing hearing about that from the guys I worked with back then. Um, so I mean, um, before we jump into the Gators, like, um, what's the paper like now? I mean, I haven't been up in Gainesville in about like five years or something, and like. I think I heard you guys moved over to the like near the Gainesville Sun. Yeah, we're actually uh, we're in the Gainesville Sun building now. So um, the office, the old office that was on University, uh, they moved out of that office into the new office. I think the semester before I started, which would have been fall 2017. So it's they've been in the new they've been in like the basement of the Gainesville Sun for the last two or three years now. Nice. I mean. That's funny because because I, I remember when I was there, there was like a little bit of like rivalry between the sports writers at the, the Alligator versus Gainesville Sun, just, you know, like trying to break stories first and things like that. So it's kind of it's interesting to me it's that like now everyone's in the same or a similar space, you know? Yeah, no, it's cool. All right, cool. So so let's uh jump into the Gators. And so um, bowl games coming up and uh, it's at the Orange Bowl. I was actually re- rooting for this just because um i live i'm from south florida i live here i live down here again so um even though it wasn't it's not the best like in terms of a football matchup i think there's a lot of lot to look forward to with this game you know it's like it'll be a big florida crowd most likely and um easy travel for the fans um what are your thoughts on it? are you going to the game by the way yeah i'll be there i'll be there covering it with uh, some of the other football writers from the alligators so looking forward to looking forward to getting down to south florida a few weeks here I'm sorry, you you uh, broke up a little bit. I couldn't hear you. Could you repeat what you just said? Oh, yeah. I was just saying, um, 
uh, yeah, we will be down there covering it. We're heading down there, me and the, some of the other football writers for the paper. So looking forward to getting down there. It should be pretty fun. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, so, um, do you have any like preliminary thoughts on the game? I guess I mean, I, I, I'll admit like, um, I've watched no Virginia football, not even the game against Clemson. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that they've got like a quarterback who, uh, seems like a dual threat guy you know um i saw that he had like about almost four thousand yards like total offense between rushing and passing the ball like um any thoughts on them at all and i, I guess the matchup overall like um were you rooting for this as the uh as the bowl game or did you or, or did you want the, the uh the sugar bowl uh i mean you know to to answer that last part i mean i didn't really care too much you know i was hoping you know have the opportunity to cover a new year's six game uh the sugar bowl would have been cool because we would have been in new orleans for new year's eve which would have been pretty fun but uh, right. i'm looking forward to miami i haven't spent a ton of time down there i'm mostly from i'm from north florida so spent most of my life up here so kind of looking forward to going down and checking out the town um but no i i i think from what i've from what I've seen, I've watched a couple of Virginia's games this year. I haven't watched a lot, um, but it seems like a pretty favorable matchup for Florida. Uh, you know, if you watch any of the ACC championship, they, they lost 62 to 17. They kept it close originally because uh, the quarterback you were talking about, Bryce Perkins, uh, he's a really good player, uh, one of the better offensive players in the ACC. And they also have a really good receiver. I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, but you know, they were able to move the ball on Clemson a good bit, at least early in the game, but they had absolutely no answer for um, for Clemson's receivers, T. Higgins and Justin Ross. And I think uh, Florida has a couple guys in Van Jefferson and Trayvon Grimes that maybe aren't quite as talented as Higgins and Ross, but I think have a similar size and similar skill set. I could just really see uh, – this Florida passing offense giving Virginia a lot of troubles. I mean, like I said, they're coming off of a allowing 62 points in a conference championship game. So yeah, I think, I think my early take on the matchup is that it's pretty favorable for Florida. Um, obviously anything can happen, but I think this is a uh, Virginia team that probably isn't as good as that nine and four record would have you believe. Right. Well, I mean, uh, there's, a, there's a bit of like a, um, uh... A talent gap obviously between Clemson and the rest of the ACC so like it's possible you're kind of suggesting that maybe they're kind of um they got some they got some wins against I guess like lesser quality teams to get to hit that nine and four yeah I mean remember yeah remember this is this is the same Virginia team we're talking about that that lost to Miami you know so it's they've had some right. good wins but in an ACC where outside of Clemson you know honestly it's kind of hard to make an argument that any of those teams are top 30 teams in the country, uh, you know, I, I think they're obviously going to be hungry. I'm sure they feel probably like they're, they're getting pretty disrespected by the pregame talk, but I, I just, I just don't really see it from a talent perspective. I think that uh, Florida's got a lot more pieces than Virginia has. Hey, by the way, I wanted to say that like um, saying Florida instead of we and us at the gate at the alligator was like one of the things I had to program myself with. I'm, I'm glad yeah. that they're still doing that just cause like, I, yeah, cause like I had to like, it took me a while. It took me a while to get out of, you know, like remembering that I could like say, I could say it again. So yeah, I'll never forget that. my, I'll never forget my, uh, when I first got hired at the alligator, the editor, the sports editor at the time, Matt Brannon, he told us that we weren't allowed to wear, um, Florida shirts. Like, on camp or like on campus or in public at all. And I, you know, me being a college freshman with half my, you know, dresser being gator clothes, I was like, well, what am I supposed to do now? But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it's for the best that they, that they have us treat it like that, even though we're students of the school.
Yeah. Oh, actually, I mean, like, funny side note. Um, the first sport that I covered was uh, was tennis for the alligator, and mm-hmm. um, and like I, somehow, like I, I I went to the game wearing a gator shirt to like to like the tennis matches, and then like and and another time, like um, my sports editor, actually who actually went to Nice, Nick Zaccardi, like saw me on campus with it, and he was like, "What are you doing?" And I was just <laughs> like. I'm not working right now. He's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> After that, like I basically just like retired all that stuff until yeah. I graduated. But um, but anyway, yeah. Um, uh, back to the game though. Um, do you think that like uh, talent-wise, the Gators are still going to be uh, like I guess like match up a little bit ahead of Virginia, even with the guys that might not play? Because I mean, um, C.J. Henderson already announced that he's he's coming out. He's not going to play. I mean, I don't think we've heard anything from Grenard and Zuniga yet. But yeah, uh, I think that um, I think that, you know, obviously not having CJ Henderson is going to be is going to hurt Florida secondary. I mean, we've seen Florida secondary struggle at times, um, you know, probably going to be seeing uh, Kyrie Elam get the start or trading. Um, but, you know, even with the players missing, I, I just think, you know, when you look at what this Florida team has done this year um, to every team it's played that isn't. Georgia or LSU, you know, to arguably top five or six teams in the country. I mean, I just think they've been so tested and, and, and played so well. I think even with those guys missing, I think, you know, the offense is going to be pretty much all there. Um, and I, I just really, I, Virginia's defense struggled so much to contain Clemson. Like I'm not saying that Kyle Trask is going to replicate what Trevor Lawrence did, but even if he does half of it, it'll be enough because they could not stop Clemson all game. Right. Well, speaking of Kyle Trask, he's kind of the, uh, he was kind of the, um, one of the stories of the SEC, of the SEC season. I think um, if, uh, if Joe Burrow wasn't like an alien this season, you know, just like out of like literally out of this world, um, he he, kind of would have been the story. So um, your thoughts on him? Cause um, I'm curious what, like, uh, what campus was like, I guess, between like um, first, I guess, Felipe Franks kind of being a um, I kind of feel like he's like a love, a love, rate or hate him guy. And then like Kyle Trask, like is kind of like a steady in the middle guy. And like everyone seems to really support Trask, whereas like Franks was kind of like very stratified. You know, I was wondering if it was like that on campus. No, no, certainly. Um, I mean, I always have thought that Felipe Franks has kind of gotten more criticism than he deserved. Um I, you know, I, I wish him well. I think, I think him deciding to move on was probably the right decision for him. It makes sense. Um, you know, he's a guy that could start almost anywhere in the country. And if he came back, he'd have to compete with Kyle Trask, who on paper put up the best numbers of any quarterback, uh, Florida quarterback since Rex Grossman and also Emory Jones, who, you know, they seem to really like getting the ball to, um, I, you know, it's kind of rare that you see a quarterback who's played as well as Kyle Trask has, cause he, he's played really well. And then also see them try to get work the backup in, uh, as much as they have with Emory Jones. I think they obviously are very happy with what they have in him, but no, I think, uh, you know, they talk about next man up. The team does a lot. And I think that's really what we've seen. I mean, the, the transition, it seems like for the team was pretty seamless when Kyle Trask took over, you know, all those players, they really did love Felipe Franks. I mean, if you listen to them, talk about him, he's, he's their leader and they really fed off of his energy, but I think they feel the same way about Trask. I think they pretty much believe that all three of those quarterbacks um, can lead the team. But I, I think, you know, 
I think you're probably right that with Burrow, um, and then obviously with Tua's injury, there have just been bigger storylines in the SEC. But, you know, a guy who hadn't started a game for seven years, you know, coming in because of injury, you know, when he wasn't supposed to have to play this year and just pretty much, you know, by all passing metrics has been the third best quarterback in the SEC this year behind two guys that are probably going in the top 10 of the NFL draft next year. Um, you know, I think with, I, I think it's, it's been pretty unbelievable how, how good he's been. Um, you know, he's made a few mistakes. I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of it's been offensive line plays as limited, you know, their ability to maybe go for the, some of the deep plays that, uh, Felipe Franks offered, but yeah. I, I think that when he's been put under pressure, his decision-making in getting the ball to those receivers, cause they're open a lot. I mean, all those guys are really good route runners and I just think, Trask has the right mix of, of, of abilities to really open up the offense. I mean, I think we've seen, like, like I said, we've seen, you know, passing game that's averaging almost 300 yards a game when, you know, a Florida quarterback hadn't even surpassed like 260 in a game until this year in a few years. So it's, it's been pretty impressive to watch. So do you think it's, it's basically uh, it, it, it's Trask's job coming into next season, you think, right? Oh yeah. I, you know, I, there's been a lot of talk about Emory and I think that, I think that Emery's a good player and I think that Emery has a role, but I mean, I think that for everything that he could bring to the table that maybe uh, Kyle Trask can't in terms of, of mobility, but not to take away from the fact that Emery Jones throws a really pretty ball. Um, I just think, you know, everything you've seen from Kyle Trask this year, it shows to me that he's ready to be an SEC quarterback. And, you know, from a pure passing perspective, one of the best ones that Florida's had in a long time, maybe. So I think, you know, especially losing all the skill position players they're going to at wide receiver. And then also Michael P Ryan, um, bringing back a quarterback that has, you know, starting experience in the sec and good starting experience at that is going to be key. I think with a young team next year, going back to what you said about, uh, trash coming in and it feeling seamless. I remember, um, I thought the season was basically over when, um, when Felipe went down, even though mm-hmm. like, I was the rare person that was in the middle. Like I was kind of like you with on Franks, where I was like, I thought he got too much, um, too much criticism, mm-hmm. but and and I thought he was improving. But I also felt like um, he didn't make the best use of uh, of of the receivers in the offense. Like um, I'm no like um, scout or anything, but I always felt like he, like um, he only hit the big play or, or the short routes and like and like the mid the, the middle of the field. Like mm-hmm. he was like basically like he didn't see it. Like um, and I'm gonna say something, even though I am a, uh, I was, I was mostly a Frank supporter. I felt like he, he played like how I used to play Madden as a kid. Like I, I would decide <laughs> yeah. on one receiver and throw yeah. two, and he would, and that's that's where he was going. But when Frank's came in, I immediately I felt like, wow, this guy, like he, he, he clearly knows the offense, and and he he was making more use of the receivers in the field. Like Kyle Pitts didn't pop until until uh, Kyle Trask came in. Yeah. I mean, he, he really did just change the offense. You know, I think, I think with Felipe, uh, you know, I think we saw last year as the offensive line improved towards the second half of the season. So did he, Um, you know, and I think when the run game was working last year, Felipe was able to do a lot. I, I, I don't know. I think in the first few games this year, it just seemed like with him at quarterback and the offensive line struggling the way it was, I mean, they really had no run game at any point this season. And I don't know. I, I think that maybe Trask was just better suited to running an offense like this this year because it, it did seem like, um, at least from a passing, that you know, it looked like the passing game took a big step up in terms of consistency when when Trask took over. And one of the interesting things is that um, if you look at like uh, 
I think a lot of some of their stats in the aggregate, like um, well, actually it's not even the aggregate because like because I think Christ is ahead. But if you see their games against like I guess lower tier teams, um, Frank's is actually is actually comparable, if not a little ahead of of uh, Trask. Mm-hmm. But um, Trask, where, where Trask really shines is against like other top tier teams. Where um, I, I know Florida beat LSU last year, but um, there was the uh, the Georgia game last year, the Missouri game the year before when Trask almost took the job after that. At that point, where mm-hmm. where I, I think you, you really see that you really see the difference in um, the passing game. I I think even compared to last year, even when the offensive line got better last year and, and, and the Gators were able to run the ball. I still felt more confident in the offense this year, even though it was more one dimensional. No. Yeah. I think, you know, I just think that like kind of what I was saying is just the every down passing game, you know, they're able to hit those 10 to 15 yard routes pretty consistently over the middle of the field. And they just weren't really, even, even at their best last year, they weren't really doing that. It was, you know, it was those stand passes, you know, catching them in the flat, blocking sets up, get some yards or, you know, Van Jefferson deep downfield near the sideline. But I, you know, I just think this year, like they've had a lot more, they've allowed, had a lot more consistency, like I've said, and, and just done a really good job of, of, you know, spreading the ball out, get, you know, taking advantage of all the receiving talent they have. And I think that's why, you know, from a production standpoint, it's been a lot better. Just to get this out there, because I've heard it on, uh, on like message boards, like Reddit and things like that on um, the possibility of Emery, transferring if he doesn't win the starting job i don't think it makes sense i don't think there's much to it other than fan speculation and like worry and um if he's gonna leave i mean like i i, I kind of think i like i i might take one more year of trask anyway yeah because um the schedule is going to line up pretty well next year for the gators too but um just your thoughts on that i don't know if you've heard anything just because you're obviously closer to the team mm-hmm. yeah you know from everything i've heard i i think I, I think Emery intends to stay. Um, I, I don't think it would make a lot of sense for him to transfer because barring, um, you know, barring the NCAA making, uh, you know, an exception to their rules, which they have done for, you know, top talent in the past, but it's no guarantee. He'd probably have to sit out a year um, and he's going to be this team starting quarterback in a year, most likely um, right. when Trask is gone as a redshirt junior with potentially two years to start. So, you know, I just think he's he's in a good position. I think it's very clear. Like I said, I mean, you rarely see backup quarterbacks get worked into a game plan. Uh, you know, you know, like they plan they plan to get him the ball. Um, I, I think they obviously like his abilities and like what he can do with the offense. So I think, you know, he'll, he'll be happy to probably stay around and at, at the very least see an even more expanded role next year. Um, and then take over that starting job in 2021. Right. I mean, one thing I do um, want to see more more from him. I, I basically I do love like Dan Mullen as a as a play caller. Like I mean, it, even back when I was at school and like and he was the offensive coordinator under Urban Meyer. Like like um, I always thought he was a really talented coordinator. But I, I do want to see like I, I do want to see Emory Jones throw the ball more. I don't know if you feel the same way. Yeah, you know, I think I think if they're gonna work him in as much as they are, it can't be as predictable. Um, even though it's worked to a degree. I think, I mean, when he's gotten the chance to throw the ball, he's made some real plays. Um, you know, I, I think he throws a really nice ball. I'd like to see the accuracy pick up a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think that'll just come with more experience. And it's always hard. You know, the situations he gets to play in are almost always just, you know, a one-off series. He gets, you know, three plays here and there. So it's not like he doesn't have he doesn't have the tempo. He doesn't have, 
he's not, you know, as comfortable, I think, coming in. So I think, um, you know, I would, I would assume that they're probably going to give him, you know, more chances to do that next year and, and maybe in this bowl game too. One game I felt like that. I don't know how, um, how you felt like, I guess, as the season progressed, like, uh, the, um, the Auburn game when uh, when Trask got hurt, I was like, "Wow!" Like like he he basically he he got us three points that we really needed that the Gators really needed. Um, mm-hmm. But then in the LSU game when he came in on I forget which drive it was, where like where I think it was still when it was twenty eight to twenty eight or, or maybe LSU had gone up and then and then he came in and I, and I basically felt like if you if you're gonna bring him in at this point when you basically you have to go like touchdown for touchdown with, with Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. you've got to mix it up and like, and pass the ball a little bit. Yeah. And that's been my biggest, biggest criticism. I think with the way Mullen has used him this year, like, I just don't, I just don't really understand personally, like pulling a quarterback who's, who's in tempo, you know, in a good rhythm to try to change things up like that. Like I understand it in theory, but in a game, like perfect example, like you said, in the LSU game, in a game where, you know, I don't, you know, Florida basically flinched once in that game and it was turning the ball over in the fourth quarter and they lost by 14. So, yeah. you know, in a game, in a game like that, uh, yeah, I, I'm not quite sure why they, you know, felt the need to take them out and, and change things up. But obviously it just is a testament to what they think that Emory Jones can do given the chance to make some plays in a game. Right. Yeah. Um, speaking of that and um, that, uh, that LSU game, obviously, um, they're the number one seed now. Um, they beat the, they they smacked Georgia pretty well mm-hmm. in the SEC championship game. How far away do you think Florida for it is? I mean, this kind of transitions us to like my next thought, which is about recruiting. Because um, I know personally, I I came into that was more upset about that Georgia loss than I the LSU because I, I came into Georgia thinking that like you know I I think I think we got this you know mm-hmm. but uh, but we played our in terms of execution our worst game and um, and. I, even though I knew this with the LSU game that we basically have to play a perfect game because we do have a talent gap to make up with some of mm-hmm. these teams. Um, it hurt to not do it then. So like, so do you think this team is like very far away from competing at that level? Or do you think Mullen can co- coach well enough mo- more often than not that they can compete with, the, with like the LSUs and the Georgias? No, I mean, I think, I think they're definitely close. I mean, look at the end of the day, um, you know, they got their two losses. I think, LSU and Georgia arguably played their best games of the year. Um, and, and it was still a combined, combined three touchdowns they lost by. So, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're not, they're not far. I think, you know, the problem is what we saw in that Georgia game. I mean, I, I, look, I was in the same boat as you, I predicted Florida to win that game. Um, but we saw, I think just how, how much that talent gap, just in terms of how much better George has been recruiting the last few years, especially in the lines of scrimmage. I mean, the, I mean, Florida's offensive line really just couldn't, couldn't block at all in that game. Um, You know, even, even a really good pass rush that Florida has and that with their front seven couldn't really penetrate Georgia much because they have the best offensive line in the country. Oh no. And I was saying, um, Sorry to cut you off for, but um, I just had a quick thought. Like, like watching that game, I remember it felt like watching those old like Nebraska or Wisconsin offensive lines, where it was just like, like how are these guys so big? Yeah, <laughs> and that's yeah, and that's what happens when you recruit, you know, consistently at a top four level. And I think that game really did open my eyes a little bit. I, I wrote a column about this after that game happened. That like, okay, we were probably you know 
overly optimistic about where this team was at and how much they've been able to make up the talent gap just from coaching and talent development. Uh, you know, I think that I don't think they're far. I think I think uh, 2020 this coming season might be a bit of a down year just because of all the talent they're losing at the skill positions on offense and, you know, at linebacker and in the secondary. I think there's it's going to be a step back. But also, I think that schedule works out pretty nicely to where they could still finish around the 10 and 2, 11 and 1 mark, even if the on-field product is slightly worse. I mean, I think I think Mullen's really close. I, I just think it's about it's about getting that that talent just well-rounded at all points on the field. I mean, it's really hard. I think it's pretty impressive how much offensive offensive success they've had this year, uh, despite offensive line problems. But at the end of the day, you know the teams in the country that are elite are elite because they have, you know, great run game, great pass game, and at least, you know, a solid defense, maybe not an elite defense. Like I wouldn't call LSU's defense an elite defense, but it can get the job done. Held Georgia to 10 points in an SEC championship game. You know, I just, I just don't think Florida's there in terms of being well-rounded from a talent perspective, but I mean, it's not far. Uh, You know, they're already in the top 10 recruiting for this, uh, for this coming class. They could get a little bit higher. Um, you know, with a couple guys that just recently decommitted that they're in the mix for. Uh, but like I said, I think it's just, they're really close and being at a talent disadvantage from recruiting perspective doesn't mean that they couldn't beat Georgia next year, but right, it's just going to be tough to consistently beat those teams that are among the best in the country when you're recruiting not as well as they are. According to 247 Sports, 247 Sports, I think they're like uh, mm-hmm. nine or eight or something like that. Yeah, I want to uh, say and nine. And that's not counting decommits yet because a lot of yeah. decommits are like probably or possibly like going toward Florida, but still like mm-hmm. fifth in the SEC or something like that, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's, just, that's the thing. It's just, you know – they got to make up that gap. And I think like, I think they're getting there. I mean, I think this program is a lot more talented across the field, you know, at all positions than it was a couple years ago, but they still are missing. I think game changers at a few key positions to, you know, to be the well-rounded teams that are going to give you their best effort week in and week out that, uh, that, you know, the LSUs and the Georgias and the Alabamas of the world are. Basically, kind of like to be able to afford not playing the perfect game and still win, like uh, the game that LSU had against Auburn. You know, not yeah. play your best game and you can still win. That exactly. Game. I mean, because I would I would argue at least on offense, Florida played a near perfect game against LSU. I mean, like I said, I pretty much the only drive that I can think of that didn't end in points was the turnover drive at the end of the game. So you know, and that happens, and you still lose by two touchdowns. It's like man, yeah, you know. like zero margin for error. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm kind of like um, talking about Mullen's like biggest. If if he has like a, I guess a criticism since he's gotten there, which I think it's a little, it might be a little premature for this, but it's the recruiting aspect. But mm-hmm. it seems like the recruiting is kind of may, t- maybe taking a turn. Um, Will Salmon, who with the Athletic, I'm sure you're familiar with him. I'm mm-hmm. sure he's probably in those scrums that you're yep. in. Um, he, he he wrote a column today about like uh, Florida's been flipping a lot of guys. So. Um, um, I, I've, I was never the biggest recruiting person just because, like, it's hard for me to follow, like, you know, high school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even when I was barely older than, than them myself in, in college. But um, do you have, like, any kind of a uh, sense of uh, – do you think there's a chance that, that they can maybe hit, like, number six, something like that, like, if they get enough 
guys a lot of those guys are on the on the defensive line too which is mm-hmm. what like to your point earlier about how competing on that competing in the trenches you know yeah i mean i'll be honest with you i don't i don't follow recruiting too closely beyond just knowing some of the big names and kind of following some of the more high profile battles but you know i, I do know that kind of what we've talked about a little bit you know there's a few guys that have recently decommitted from schools that it seems like Florida's in the mix for so you know and pretty much all those guys are are relatively high four stars and not to mention um Gravon Dexter who is currently a four star but based on his production I'd be pretty surprised if he doesn't end up as a five star at some point um I, I saw I saw a tweet uh, last night, I think, basically showing how his numbers in the state of Florida are like double that of some of the uh, more recent five-star defensive tackles that 247 has had. So that fifth star could be coming sooner rather than later. I mean, there's like, it's getting better. I think, I think the, the talent's getting there. It's just a matter of, you know, can you combat the talent you're losing next year. That's why I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they took a slight step back next year before potentially being, you know, even better than they've been the last two years in 2021. That's kind right. of the progression I'm, I, I, I can see from a talent perspective. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, um, I'm probably I'm, I'm obviously way more homer than I was when I covered the team. Yeah. <laughs> it was easier to not be homer because I covered the 08 team. So yeah national title so i could not be a homer and still like get a good outcome yeah but um i looked at the schedule and i'm like this might this might be a, be an 11 and one you know yeah just because I, I'm, I'm assuming you know some like kyle trask improvement kyle pitts um grimes and um Kadarius tony will be back um pierce um obviously the secondary is going to be a problem and but you know, mm-hmm. i don't know am, am i um on the full deep end homer by uh by saying that like i don't I think 10 wins is, is, is like the bare minimum. No, I, I can see that. I mean, you know, when you look at the schedule, I mean, it's really advantageous. Like the, I want to say the the road games are like Tennessee, Vanderbilt. Um, it's like Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and can't remember the other one right now, but they're like, most of the road games are pretty good ones for Florida to have. You know, I think that, I think the ten and two is eleven. Florida State, but that's a that's a that's yeah. A Florida State. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, you never know what Mike Norvell could do in year one, but Florida should be still a lot more talented than they are next year. Um, yeah, I think, I think a lot of it really at, at Ole Miss too. At Ole Miss, that's another one which you know, first year head coach dealing with sanctions. You never know, but that shouldn't be one yeah. of the harder games on the schedule. Uh, um, and I think it really just hinges on how much of a step back does LSU take next year? And we don't know because first of all, uh, you know, will they even have Joe Brady? Obviously a lot of rumors with him, you know, potentially getting NFL jobs. I think LSU probably is going to do everything they can to give him a long-term cushy coordinator deal and he'll stick around. Um, If he does, you know, the drop-off may not be too big and they could be a really good team next year. We just don't know. I think, you know, Georgia with Jake Fromm presumably coming back uh, is still going to be very good. You know, and I think we've seen Florida doesn't match up particularly well against Georgia. I don't think. Um, so that's always been yeah. a challenge. Yeah, Jake Fromm plays like an NFL quarterback when it's against Florida. <laughs> like otherwise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that, you know, until I, I'm kinda it's kinda, you know, Florida beating Georgia is kinda gonna be a I'll believe it when I see it until it happens, just because mm-hmm. 
you know, so far it seems like Kirby's really figured out how to beat this team and they're just not there yet. But, you know, obviously if they win that, if they can win that game next year, I mean, who knows, who knows where the ceiling is, but I think it's a pretty nice, it's a pretty nice schedule for Florida to have in a year where they might not be as good as they were this year. Yeah, I know. Um, the Kirby smart thing kills me because, because like, I don't think he's a good game coach. He's a great, like, he's a great recruiter, obviously. But, um, but I've always felt like um, I'd rather have Dan Mullen call in my games, but then, but then Kirby Smart just—I mean, like maybe it's just it, it is the uh, the talent gap showing up, but but I feel like he's more, even more aggressive against Florida too. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I you know it's hard to say. I, I think, like I, I think, I mean, I think what you really see with you know Jake Fromm being as successful as he was is just having a ton of time to throw. I mean, that's what yeah. you know, good off you know an offensive line that. You know, a Florida defensive line that was harassing Bo Nix all game couldn't couldn't do anything to him or Joe Burrow. Um, and when that happens, you know, I think I think Florida has some holes in the secondary that a good pass rush has has been able to mask a bit this year. But when they don't get that yeah. pressure, I think you know you can you can see you can tell uh, you know they they get beat sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I I am terrified of Trey Dean not just being the uh, the nickel, the third corner, or whatever, you know, just because like he because I felt like he got burned all the time this past season. So, uh, who who was that you said? Trey Dean. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Trey Dean, you know, they kind of moved him around a few different places. I think I think that Trey Dean is probably going to end up playing on the outside long term. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it seems like he has his has the most success. But I think I think keeping Marco, I think the Marco playing star seems to be the best place to put him. I think he struggled a little bit guarding other teams' number one receivers just because right. he's a bit undersized. Um, but I think he's he's been a lot more productive since they moved him inside. I mean, we kind of um, touched on the lines a bit. Do you um, are you looking for any uh, line improvement at the even at the bowl game? Because I feel like uh, you know the gap between. FSU game in the bowl game is I think it's about a month that's almost like another little uh spring camp you know yeah like so are you looking for any improvement there you know I mean you you hope to see that just with how how difficult it's been at times this year I think um I think the main ones I'd be looking out for are Richard Garage and Ethan White the two freshmen playing uh you know they've gotten chances I think um you know I think that Stone for Scythe and Gene Delance, you know, those guys are, are veteran tackles. I'm not discounting the fact that they could improve, but I think that what you're looking at with them is probably a more finished product than what you're looking at with guys like um, Garage and White and maybe even to an extent, Brett Heggie. Um, but, you know, I think, I think ultimately what you want to see is that the guys who are on the line now, they're going to be starting next year, the younger guys. I mean, you, you just, you want to see some sort of improvement just because, um, if they don't, that could be another problem yet next year for that unit. It, it could be tough. I'm not sure if we can um, smoke and mirrors our way to uh, to another to like to another 10, 11 win season. Even though I think that's the baseline or the floor um, mm-hmm. without any run game, you know. Yeah, I mean it's pretty impressive that they were able to do it this year. Uh, I'm not really sure how. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think you're right. I think the offensive line. I mean, I just I have a hard time believing Florida is going to be able to compete with elite teams until they have an offensive line that's at least above average, which it just really isn't right now, honestly. Even though part of me like hate like I, I was like I was watching that LSU Georgia game like there's no way we should have lost to this team, 
but at the same time, like I do think there's like a there's tiers, there's levels to this, like the uh, like the kids say, you know, um, that we're like um, there's clearly like we're not on the level of um, LSU, healthy Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. Those are like those are like three super teams. Those are like three oh eight Floridas or something. Yeah, probably, and and with quarterbacks that are better pure passers than Tebow was. Mm-hmm. So uh, so like so I, I do agree that like. Um, it's funny because like there's like that, that little middle mid tier that Oklahoma you know that fourth I think yeah they, they could have been that possibly if everything went worked went the right way. I mean I think they could you know look I think that there's an argument to be made. I think you can definitely make an argument that Florida uh, maybe aside from Georgia is the best two loss team in the country this year. I mean they're they're really right there. You know if there weren't I I mean I think that five through 10 range is pretty fluid. I don't know if any one of those teams you can really say, like, do we, do we know that Penn state is better than Oregon is better than Utah is better than Florida? Like, you know, how, how do we, you know, I think all those teams are pretty close. I think Florida's right there in the mix for that, which I would say is a step up from where they were last year. I think even though they may not finish as high in the rankings as they did last year, I think that this team to me feels like it's a lot closer to that elite tier than last year's team did. Right. I'd agree with that. Yeah. And um, obviously a lot of the, I mean, that comes down basically to the, uh, you know, the the health compared to two years ago, but also, you know, the coaching change, Dan Mullen. Um, This question is just like my own curiosity. Like I, uh, I covered the team um, when uh, Meyer was the coach and Mullen was the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I'm just curious how it is with, with like him, like I, actually as the voice of the team, and obviously the coach kind of sets the the standard. Like when Urban was there, it was very uh, he's very business like, you know. He's like he's like he's a kind of a, he's a, a disciplinarian kind of, other than you know maybe covering some things up, which we won't <laughs> get into <laughs> back then. But uh, yeah. but Mullen always seemed like a very like you know kind of like kind of like he, he's business like in that like I, I like I know that he uh, he's very into the fundamentals but also like seems like a like almost like a more fun guy to cover like I always enjoyed talking to him more I just I'm just curious what it's like now yeah I mean you know Mullen kind of has that that football guy approach to answering questions and press conferences and stuff like that but in in the in the time that we have with him you know when the cameras aren't rolling and those little time before and after the interviews he's a pretty funny guy you know he's he i think that he's relatively laid back in terms of some coaches but also i wouldn't want to get on his bad side you know after a rough half of football so you know i think we saw the way uh what happened with him and billy gonzalez in the georgia game i don't think anyone wants to be on the receiving end of that but uh no i mean i think you know i think that dan mullen gets what you have to do, you know, I, I think that the old model of hard nosed football coach is kind of dying a little bit. If you want to stay relevant in terms of appealing to 17 to 18 year olds. And I think that yeah. Mullen kind of gets that. I mean, obviously, you know, with the shoes and stuff like that, he just kind of, I think, I think has kind of shown, I guess, more of that, more of that fun side that coaches don't always show. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess, um, Start wrapping it up soon. Um, I guess uh, before we get into um, maybe thoughts next season, what we, I guess we kind of did, but um, I want I'm curious about two predictions. Um, do you have a like a, a score in mind as far as like how you think this this uh, next bowl game is gonna end up? 
Um, you know, I'd probably say something along the lines of 38 to 20, 38, 17, something kind of like that. I think, you know, Florida is going to be able to score a lot of points in this game. I think, I think that Virginia, I bet, especially in the first quarter, I think will surprise Florida a little bit. I think they'll hit a couple big plays. I think Florida will struggle to contain uh, Bryce Perkins. And I think they'll have a couple nice drives that keep it entertaining at first, but I just, I think Florida's defense will settle in and we'll be able to get some stops. And I legitimately question whether the, uh, Virginia can do that. So yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking something around 21 point difference, something like that. Yeah. I was thinking like somewhere around that range too. Um, also, um, I know we kind of touched on it. So um, are you going about like 10 and two for next season? Um, do you think um, they go to the SEC championship next year? Hmm. Yeah, I, I think 10 and two, I mean, I, I look at 10 and two and I don't really see any losses other than Georgia and LSU. Like I, I, there's really no game unless someone just catches them off guard. I don't really see a very losable game in there other than those two. I think 10 and two is probably, you know, nine and three, probably absolute floor if they lose Georgia and LSU and get upset by somebody that they weren't supposed to lose to. You know, if I did, if I had to bet money on it right now on them making the SEC championship, I'd probably say they don't just because, um, like I said, Georgia is going to have a lot of those pieces back next year, senior quarterback, most likely. Um, you know, if there's a time where George, where Florida is going to make that leap to jump Georgia in the SEC pecking order, I think it'll be in 2021 when they lose guys that they've had for a long time, like Fromm, whereas Florida will at that point be more of an upperclassman team than it will be next year. Right, yeah. I, that's kind of how I feel. I mean that makes sense, but like it, it hurts me to like I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to lose to Georgia again. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that I think you know I'm I'm very like um, I'm very patient just in general in terms of like treating new head coaches just because I think a lot of times fa- the metrics fans use to judge coaches are flawed and unfair, and I think you can end up you know firing a coach when you shouldn't because of that. But I do think that, you know, if Mullen loses four straight to Georgia or sorry, loses uh, three straight to Georgia, I think that's an important game. And especially, you know, when you have to pretty much win that game to win the East, it's going to put pressure on it moving forward to to turn that around for sure. I mean, they could win that game, but I'd say right now I'm, I'm leaning towards that they probably don't win the East. I agree with you. Like I wouldn't put them on the hot seat with a loss um, no. to again, but um, I think it's going to start inviting that, uh, you know, that Jim Harbaugh, Michigan versus Ohio State thing, where it's like where um, people start thinking that you can't you can't make that next step. You know? Yeah, I mean, college football fans are just so superstitious in general. So you don't, as a coach, yeah. you don't really want people drawing those sorts of connections, just because it can lead it can lead the public down rabbit holes that don't end too well for you. So either, I'm, either way, I think if they get, get to 10 and two, then he should be obviously good for another like two years. I'd say, unless like he has that disastrous, um, you know, the, the one year must champ had, and then the, the other year that yeah. um, McIlwain had. Yeah, I want to make it very clear. I think Mullen has excellent job security right now. I, but I am saying that uh, I think that, you know, if, if they don't, start beating Georgia and you know, you got to get to Atlanta at some point. I mean, you can't, can't get to the final four if you don't get to Atlanta most likely. So unless you're Alabama. So 
Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, man, for talking. I mean, um, these 43 minutes really flew by. So, uh, yeah, no, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No, thanks for, for coming on. Um, maybe after the game, we could like, um, link up for another special episode or something like that, you know, um, to recap, hopefully a win. Um, you can't say hopefully yet. <laughs> actually, actually not at all because uh, actually congrats. I saw on your Facebook that you're going to be, um, covering the sport Gators for the, for the USA Today's, uh, Gator Wire. So yeah, we're launching that site. Thank you. We're, uh, we're launching that site in the next couple of weeks. So I'm excited for the, for some of the new content we're going to be bringing out. Nice. Nice. Awesome. All right. Well, um, I guess I'll officially wrap up. All right. Um, thanks to everyone for tuning into a, uh, a special Gator centric episode of the forum. Um, Carl flying solo on this one. And um, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks again for, to Tyler. Tyler.